Lord is the gospel writer who picked up this imagery from Isaiah. I pray that you would, in your mercy, shine your light. Use this time of reflection on your word to shine your light into our lives and into our world. For we pray with expectation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Where do you look for light? In her poem, Toward the Light, Anne Weems explores this question with Isaiah's imagery and also with her journey with Jesus. Anne writes, too often our answer to the darkness is not running toward Bethlehem, but actually running away. We ought to know by now that we can't see where we're going in the dark. Running away is rampant. Separation is stylish. Separation from mates, from friends, from self. Run and tranquilize. Don't talk about it. Avoid. Run away and join the army of those who have already run away. When are we going to learn that Christmas peace comes only when we turn and face the darkness? Only then will we be able to see the light of the world. Where do you and I look for light? Do we have a tendency to face the darkness? Or do we have a tendency to run away and flee the brokenness to get as far away as we can? God speaks to the prophet Isaiah in chapters 8 and 9 about the dynamics of deep darkness. Walking in darkness in Isaiah's time was linked with the devastation of the Assyrian invasion. Death and destruction, hunger and oppression, distress, despair everywhere racked the land. In their hopelessness, people were wondering where to turn. And so some began turning to occult practices of consulting mediums and spiritists, trying to consult the dead for guidance and power, desperate attempts to find help for hurting times. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message gives a fresh rendering of Isaiah's imagery. When people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualists, why not tap into the spirit world, get in touch with the dead, tell them, no, we're going to study the scriptures. People who try the other ways get nowhere, a dead end. Frustrated and famished, they try one thing after another. When nothing works, they get angry. Cursing first this God and then that one. Looking this way and that, up and down and sideways and seeing nothing. A blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. Can you see the connections with life then and with life now? You see, sooner or later, false gods fail and people get frustrated. They get angry. They're looking for something somewhere, ending up in darkness and turmoil. Well, I was serving as a pastor in Toronto. I audited a course at Tyndale on spiritual warfare. The professor was a wonderful, humble man. He had the sharp mind of a biblical scholar and the compassionate heart 
of a pastor. Along with the foundational work of examining biblical passages and theological principles, we explored practical ways of prayer and ministry in these situations. One day I invited a woman to come to class and share some of her journey. This woman was a New Age channeler with a fairly successful healing ministry in parts of greater Toronto. You see, she tapped into the spirit world. She actively invited and called upon spirits of the dead and various forms of spirits, but something started happening to her. While her public influence in that area broadened, her inner darkness deepened. While her power and popularity seemed to grow as people seemed to experience positive changes, this woman experienced deep inner turmoil, emotionally, physically. As her personal life disintegrated, she became more and more desperate, looking here, looking there, anywhere for light. But she found nothing to satisfy her deepest spiritual need. She was actually living out some of the darkness and the dynamics of deep darkness in Isaiah chapter 8. After months of seeking and struggling and looking and looking, this woman found the church where this Tyndale professor was a part-time part of the pastoral team. And she experienced prayer with a, a team who prayed for her. And on that prayer team was a Christian doctor, a Christian counselor, pastors, people with a gift of discernment and other spiritual gifts, and all of them with a deep commitment to prayer and a belief that God is still active today. To make a very long story short, with this multifaceted ministry, this woman experienced deep healing as Christ's light and love gave her spiritual freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, as she journeyed with Jesus, something wonderful happened. Not only personally did she experience deep peace, but through the grace of God, she actually became a healing instrument through Christ's ministry to others. You see, what happened, God used the spiritual sensitivity she had and transformed it into a spiritual gift of discernment. And she could see things more clearly than many other people could. This woman's story helps us hear Isaiah 9, verses 2 and 7 in a fresh way. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness, Prince of Shalom. So where do you look for light? Well, some people turn to false gods and experience darkness as a consequence of their choices. Other people are thrown into darkness by tragedy and trials, not of their own choosing. 
poet Anne Weems, the poet I started with, experienced the tragic loss of her son, who was murdered less than an hour after his 21st birthday with the support of her friend, Walter Brueggemann, who was a biblical scholar with a pastor's heart. She processed her pain by writing 50 personal lament psalms, inspired by the many biblical laments that turn pain into prayer, bringing tears and questions and raw emotions to God who meets us in the middle of the mess. In the darkness of her deep grief, in one lament, Anne Weems expressed her longing and Christmas imagery as she struggled to enter into Advent, as many people do at this time of year. Lament Psalm 19. Why do they celebrate in the sanctuary, O God? And of what do they sing in joyful procession? In their exuberance, their voices fill the sky with song, and my ears are filled with their praise of you, with their songs of thanksgiving for your advent. How can I join their singing, O God, if you do not come to me? How can I shout Gloria if you will not advent here? O my God, There is an inn in my heart where the door is open to you. Please, Holy One, be born anew to me. Please come into my misery. Please live in my despair. Do your birthing in my manger so that I may once again hear in my heart the good news of great joy. Send an angel, O God, to announce that you have heard my cry and will come to me in my sorrow, then, O oh God, I will once again be able to tell the story of this thing that has happened in my heart. Once again, my voice will be raised and I will sing in the procession and celebrate in the sanctuary and with the angels praise your holy name. Glory to you, O oh God, who advents even into the life of one who weeps the day away. Glory to you in the highest, for you are not ashamed to walk with me in darkness. You have turned to me and heard my cry, and I have seen a great light. You see, Anne's story helps us hear Isaiah 9 in a fresh way. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. For a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His name will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. Where do you look for light? 
In a tragic accident, Gerald Sitzer lost his mother, wife, and four-year-old daughter. Three generations killed by a drunk driver, with him left as a single father of three young children. You might recognize the name because we use one of his books in some of our spiritual formation courses. But in his book, A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss, Jerry shared insight about God's light. He writes, My sister Diane told me that the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of the day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. Since I knew that the darkness was inevitable and unavoidable, he writes, I decided from that point on to walk into the darkness rather than to try to outrun it, to let my experience of loss take me on a journey wherever it would lead, and to allow myself to be transformed by my suffering rather than to think I somehow had to avoid it. I had no idea then how tumultuous my grief would be. Darkness, it is true, had invaded my soul. But then again, so did the light. Both contributed to my personal transformation. Though I experienced death, I also experienced life in ways that I never thought possible. Not after the darkness, as we might suppose, but in the darkness. I did not get through the pain and come out on the other side. Instead, I lived in it and found within the pain the grace to survive and eventually grow. I did not get over the loss of my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life, like soil receives decaying matter until it becomes a part of who I am. He writes, when we plunge into darkness, it is darkness we experience. We feel pain, anguish, sorrow, and despair, and we experience the ugliness, meanness, and absurdity of life. We brood as well as hope, rage as well as surrender, doubt as well as believe. We are apathetic as often as we are hopeful, and sorrowful before we are joyful. We both mourn deeply and live well, we experience the ambivalence of living simultaneously in the night and in the light. In choosing to face the night, I took my first steps toward the sunrise. We learn to take the loss into ourselves and to be enlarged by it so that our capacity to live life well and to know God intimately increases. Loss can diminish us, but it also can expand us. It depends, once again, on the choices we make and the grace we receive. Loss can function as a catalyst to transform us. It can lead us to God, the only one who has the desire and the power to give us life. 
You see, Jerry's story helps us hear Isaiah 9 in a fresh way. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His name will be Amazing Counselor. Strong God. Eternal Father. Prince of Wholeness. Where do you look for light? If we are walking in the darkness, then we can discover how Jesus comes to us as the great light. If we feel confused or distressed, then we can discover Jesus as the amazing, wonderful counselor who can guide us. If we feel full of despair for a lost battle, then we can discover Jesus as the strong, mighty God who strengthens us. If we feel trapped by past or present pain, then we can discover the bigger picture of the eternal, everlasting Father. If we feel overwhelmed by turmoil within us or around us in the world, then we can discover Jesus as the Prince of Wholeness, the Prince of Peace who brings deep peace, Shalom. Such light does not come by our merit, but through Christ's mercy. The power of transformation does not come from us. It is a gift from God. Isaiah 9 verse 7 says, The zeal or the passionate power and commitment of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As Peterson puts it, the zeal of the God of angel armies will do all this. Luke 1 picks this up in the song of Zechariah. It's a great scene for those who serve in ministry contexts. He's serving in the church, not expecting God to show up. And God does. And he has a new revelation about the role of his son and God's son. And as he describes that, when he is given voice again, after a period of silence, he's able to say, because of the tender mercy of God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet on the path of peace. In November, I attended my fourth SELA spiritual direction training retreat. This one at St. Francis Springs Prayer Center. The theme was on releasing, relinquishing, dark night of the soul, lament, shame, and other life's topics. They were tough. The themes were heavy. Somebody asked them, do people really need to go through all this? And one of the speakers said, well, if they've only been a Christian one week, probably not. This is a rhythm of the spiritual life. 
Where do we look for light? One day during the retreat, I was feeling heavy with the content and with some challenges in my life. In the solitude and prayer time, I walked on a woodland trail, and it had outdoor stations of the cross. In a Catholic tradition, these stations of the cross had been visual or metaphorical stations. They'd been invitations to ponder and pray with Christ's passion. In this version, the Franciscan brothers had written words to link Christ's passion to different forms of suffering in the world. At each station, I paused and prayed with the heavy words written down. And I looked at the artist's picture of an aspect of Christ's passion and suffering. As Christ journeyed to and through the cross. Station 14, the last station, in this version had one word, resurrection. Here was their description. We remember that through Jesus' resurrection, good triumphs over evil and light overcomes darkness. The wonderfully good news of John 1.5 came to my mind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. With this fresh reminder of Jesus as my resurrected Lord, as light in the darkness, I decided to retrace my path at the various stations as an invitation to intercession. At each place, I prayed about some of the dark details that came to mind about our hurting world. But each prayer ended with a prayer for Christ's mercy and light. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Let me just give you a few illustrations of the sort of things I prayed. Jesus dies on the cross. We remember all those who have died due to genocide, torture, forced migration, and starvation. I prayed for my daughter, Rachel, who's researching refugee resettlement policy in Ottawa. I prayed for our refugee family that churches partnered in sponsoring two years ago. I prayed for the new family coming in a few weeks from the Dadaab refugee camp in Kenya. Although the news hardly even mentions it very often, over 245,000 people continue to struggle there for daily life. I prayed about some of those things. And I prayed, Lord, in your mercy, Shine your light in the darkness. Station 10. Jesus is stripped of his clothing. We remember those who have been stripped of their dignity due to slavery and human trafficking. I prayed for Joanna Doak, a Baptist leader in our region, whose play, The Expendables, is raising awareness about sex trafficking. I prayed for people exploited and stripped of dignity by this oppressive underground industry. I prayed. I prayed, Lord, in your mercy, shine light in the darkness. I could go on with other illustrations of what I prayed, but I want these stations to be an invitation for your intercession today. 
And so I want to lead us in prayer. And I'll read the station, and then I'll give a call to remember. And so as I pray about the theme, I invite you to enter into silent prayer with the people and places that come to your mind. And then I'll close the silence with the words, Lord, in your mercy. And I invite you to pray in unison. Shine your light in the darkness. We don't have the various stations in the bulletin, but we do have those lines. I'll introduce a theme. You can pray as the Lord prompts you in silent prayer. And then in unison, after I say, Lord, in your mercy, we'll say together, shine your light in the darkness. Let's pray. Jesus is condemned to death. We remember the over 60 million people condemned to death this past century as victims of racism, tribalism, and nationalism. Let us pray to the Lord in silence. Lord, in your mercy, together, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus takes up his cross. We remember half the world's population who daily take up the cross of deep poverty due to economic injustices. Let us pray to the Lord in silence. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus falls the first time. We remember those who have fallen ill due to the lack of health care as a human right. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus meets his mother. We remember all mothers and fathers who grieve over the impact of secularism and narcissism on their children. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Simon helps Jesus carry his cross. We remember those who engage in solidarity to empower others to transform our world for the common good. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Veronica wipes Jesus' face. We remember those who wipe the faces of the brokenhearted with their tears, prayers, empathy, time, and generosity. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus falls the second time. We remember those made vulnerable in life by addictions, alienation, and abandonment.
Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus consoles the women of Jerusalem. We remember all who comfort and strengthen others with agape love, a listening heart, and a cry for justice. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus falls the third time. We remember the mercy of God for those whose life situations are so violent and catastrophic that they are bereft of any hope. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus is stripped of his clothing. We remember those who have been stripped of their dignity due to slavery and human trafficking. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus is nailed to the cross. We remember those whose lives are riddled with environmental calamities and frequent wars. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus dies on the cross. We remember all those who have died due to genocide, torture, forced migration, and starvation. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Jesus is taken down from the cross. We remember in our hearts our loved ones whose God-centered lives shine as a lasting inspiration. Lord, in your mercy, shine your light in the darkness. Resurrection. We remember that through Jesus' resurrection, good triumphs over evil and light overcomes darkness. Receive this good news in the name of Jesus, our resurrected Lord and Savior. Amen.